Hello, CNTs. Welcome back to your favorite Femillennial news broadcast, delivering you the sarcasm you deserve. I'm your host, Arielle, coming at you from Los Angeles. And what's up, y'all? I'm Daryl, coming at you from NYC, and CNT is back with season four. And that's Beyonce's lucky number, so you know it's about to be lit. We got an Instagram, Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, and a newsletter. So follow us on any but probably all of those platforms by our handle at I'm a Real CNT. You can subscribe to our newsletter through the Facebook page or just email us at I'm a Real CNT at gmail.com. And obviously, you should subscribe to us on iTunes or SoundCloud so you don't miss any more episodes. So stay tuned to CNT. Politically aware, but not always correct. What's up, CNTs? This just in, Jeff Sessions is being sued by a 12-year-old girl with epilepsy for the nation's federal prohibition on medical marijuana. It's funny, I always thought Jeff Sessions was a 12-year-old girl. Well, I guess he's getting a taste of his own medicine. He'd be better off getting a taste of this girl's medicine, because then at least he would be stoned in the process. But damn, Ariel, this little girl is not suing to get stoned for recreational purposes. She had to move to Colorado just so that she could legally use marijuana oil to help with her seizures. Well, either way, this little girl is woke as hell. It's crazy that a 12-year-old has to remind the Attorney General that 88% of Americans support the legalization of medicinal marijuana. Shit, this kid should run the world. Um, there are enough kids running the White House, and look how that turned out. In other news, scientists are suggesting that they're in the stages of creating pills that will allow you to live over 150 years. Meanwhile, theoretical physicist Stephen Hawking says that we only have 100 years left to live on this planet, given the rapid change in climate and the fact that we're so deep in denial about it. To be honest, that's actually kind of brilliant. Hell, they could bill it as a drug that keeps you alive for 500 years. Who's going to be around to call them out? Speaking of getting called out, the American Civil Liberties Union just came for Taylor Swift's neck when they defended California blogger Megan Herning. Herning wrote an article about Taylor Swift with pretty convincing receipts, arguing that T-Swifty is low-key alrighty. Herning suggests that white supremacists use Taylor's music as inspiration and support for their beliefs. In reference to her Look What You Made Me Do music video, Herning notes that, quote, Taylor lords over an army of models from a podium, akin to what Hitler had in Nazis Germany. The similarities are uncanny and unsettling, end quote. See, I thought that in that part of the music video, she was copying Beyonce's formation video. Mm -mm, no, you're thinking of another part when she has eight guys wearing I Heart T Swift shirts to represent her eight exes. Herning is describing the part where those blank faced models are all wearing dominatrix gear awaiting for her master specific instructions for world domination. Um, okay, Arielle, you know way too much about this music video. The point of all this is Taylor Swift's reaction. She got her lawyers to send a letter to Herning threatening to sue her for defamation. But bitch, this is the closest you've gotten to political commentary in your entire career. I mean, one time, a woman wrote an article accusing you of political apathy and you had your lawyers order her to take it down. Aw, Megan. Look what you made her do. That is an ugly pun. Why did you do that? Don't blame me. Sorry, I had to. This is why we can't have nice things. All right, now I just feel like we're promoting her album. But wait, okay, here's one more. When the ACLU found out, they clapped back with the best pun yet. Quote, criticism is never pleasant, but a celebrity has to shake it off 
even if the critique may damage her reputation, end quote. But since her black BFF, Todrick Hall, spoke out a couple months ago about her quiet stance on political views, does that mean it's okay? Hell no. As we learned with Nazi Germany, being silent is taking the side of the oppressor. So just cause you got a token black best friend doesn't mean you're invited to the cookout. But she is invited to the post cookout ice cream social where the only form of seasoning is white tears. Before we get into the stories of the day, here's a little message from our overlords. The following is a public service announcement for the honorable administration of President Donald J. Trump. The following announcement features content that some listeners may find upsetting and or may not be suitable for all audiences, including executives at Fortune 500 companies and that guy Trent in your microeconomics class. Listener discretion is advised. Only 25% of Americans support Donald Trump's tax plan, but 100% of millionaires think paying taxes is no fun at all. Did you know that the 1% own half of all corporate stock? A millionaire's corporate stock is his baby and a 30% corporate tax rate is a cord around his baby's neck. You wouldn't strangle a baby, so why tax a corporate executive? Donald Trump's 15% cut on corporate taxes will literally resuscitate a choking infant. Republican politicians everywhere are asking, what can we do to make sure the wealthy aren't slightly inconvenienced? What can we do to help the only citizens that matter? Thankfully, there is one simple thing that every GOP congressman can do. Cut taxes. Cut all the taxes. Every tax cut to a millionaire in need pads the budget for the Trump 2020 presidential campaign, which launched a second after Donald Trump was inaugurated. For the cost of just one social welfare program per financial quarter, you can make sure a millionaire doesn't even notice a drop in any of his 10 bank accounts, not just the secret one in Liechtenstein. Support President Trump's tax plan. Enrich the rich. Ignore the middle class. Fuck the poor. If we don't save the millionaires, they won't vote for us. Welcome back, CNTs. Now it's time for our main story, the new GOP tax plan. We know, boring, but before you switch to two dope queens, which you should definitely do after this, remember that this is gonna cost you, yes you, money. And if there's one thing Americans, nah, actually human beings can agree on, is that we don't like when people take our money. Of course, the purpose of taxes is to benefit all of us with government services that will supposedly improve our quality of life. It's supposed to pay for things like public schools, medical aid, and cops that don't kill people. But either way, we all like to save as much as we can. And that's why we need to pay attention to this new tax plan, because it outlines tax cuts. These are basically little loopholes that change current tax law and allow you to avoid paying as much or at least get more in returns at the end of the year. So dope, right? Wrong. Tax cuts are great. Sometimes. But not when that means increasing taxes on the poor and creating more loopholes for the rich. Trump has said that this plan is a bitter pill for the rich, that it's really good for the middle class, and that if implemented, it will make him the biggest loser. Well, first of all, the tax plan has nothing to do with Trump being a big loser. And second, if this tax plan had been implemented in the year 2005, the only year that we've actually seen Trump's tax returns, he would have paid $31 million less in taxes. And that is by way of the AMT method, or the alternative minimum tax, which forces people who earn more than 130K annually to calculate their taxes twice. The new bill eliminates that. The new bill also cuts big corporation taxes from 35% to 20%. This is the biggest drop in the big business tax rate 
ever. Not to mention that it eliminates the infamous death tax so that wealthy families don't need to pay taxes when their heirs inherit their fortune. I'ma be real, I like that one. But as Teddy Roosevelt once said, no man should receive a dollar unless that dollar has been fairly earned. And as Biggie once said, more money, more problems. In fact, one of the few semi-smart things Trump said he would do while campaigning would be to take away carried interest from the hedge funds who were pulling a Viola Davis and in his words, getting away with murder. But the new tax plan doesn't mention carried interest at all. And the worst part of all this? We know how this is about to go down. Kansas tried something similar with the LLC tax break in 2012, which reduced taxes for anyone who says they are a pass-through business. A pass-through business. It means that the business's profits are taxed at the individual rate rather than the business rate. And remember how we said that business rate is being reduced by almost half? This means that pretty much anyone could call themselves an LLC and save thousands or even millions in profits. For Kansas, this meant ending up in a huge amount of debt. Let Etta Felter, a lifelong Republican, told BBC News, we're a great example of what not to do. And the culprit behind this plan, Governor Sam Brownback, is now so unpopular in Kansas that he's planning to take a job in the Trump administration. Well, isn't that just perfect? To get a better understanding of what this new tax plan actually means for us, we spoke to a favorite of ours here at CNT, a guest so dope that she prefers to remain anonymous. She works in asset management in New York City and joined us to help translate the full-on financial fart that is this new tax plan. Thanks for joining us, Sarah. So great to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk about this kind of stuff today. So let's start with the basics. Why should we care about tax breaks? We should all care about tax cuts because they affect every single one of us. It doesn't matter who you are. You cannot avoid taxes, especially the tax cuts or breaks that are happening now are going to have a negative effect on a lot of people. How so? The proposed bill contains changes to the U.S. corporate and individual tax codes and largely shifts the U.S. tax burden from companies to individuals. Uh, you might have heard that there's plans to cut corporate tax rates, but this comes in conjunction with the elimination of many individual deductions. So by eliminating the deductions that we take personally, we are going to effectively raise the effective tax rate, which means we are all going to end up paying more in taxes than we previously did. Let's break it down a little bit more. What are deductions? A deduction is something that lets you pay less in taxes than you should. So we have a tax rate and we use these deductions to pay less than the tax rate says we should. So the super wealthy are the ones using deductions. They do, but it's not only the super wealthy who does that, right? I just finished school and I, with a lot of my peers, are in our first jobs. We're not super wealthy by any means, but I still want the money back at the end of the year that I get as a deduction for paying the interest on my student loans. I have a lot of student loans and I would really like to pay less taxes because the government recognizes that I am struggling to pay my loans. Wait, how does this new tax plan affect people with student loans? The deduction for paying interest is going to go away, and that's going to hurt a lot of people who've just graduated with student debt. And additionally, I have a lot of friends that moved to New York for work right after graduation. We are all going to be hit with a much larger tax bill than we thought we were going to. We're not going to get that deduction from the federal government for living in a state and a city that both charge us separate taxes. So far, this just sounds like a terrible idea. What is the big 
big picture hope behind this tax plan? So big picture, the hope is that this new tax plan is going to be implemented. Corporations are going to pay less taxes, which will encourage them to stay in the U.S. because right now we have really high corporate taxes. So a lot of large corporations that have a lot of jobs, they would prefer to move overseas to avoid paying these taxes. So we're hoping that all of these companies stay in the U.S. They hire all of our American citizens, not just everyone who's living within our borders. People in the U.S. are making more money, that they have more money to spend, and that the taxes don't end up being that big of a deal. Okay, that's the hope. But what is the reality? That is a very long-term plan. But the taxes that we all have to pay next year, those are not long-term. We have one year to come up with that money to pay those taxes. I think that the immediate impact is going to hit people very hard. And I think a lot of people were not expecting to lose as many deductions as we are. Personally, I know even Trump supporters here in New York who thought that this was going to be a great idea are scared because everyone's looking at a higher tax bill. So in the short term, this is not good for everyone. I think we know that in the long term, this whole idea of trickle-down economics is uh, not going to work. There's a reason that we call it economic theory. What works in theory does not work in practice, but um, it looks like enough people are being convinced it's a good idea that we may uh, have to give it a try. You mentioned trickle-down economics, and one of my favorite things you've said on a previous episode of ours is money doesn't trickle. Can you expand on that? So when we say trickle-down economics, what we mean is that the people at the top, the richest people, the richest companies, they have the most money. And we are going to give them more money because we hope that they're going to spend it and they're going to put it into the economy and the people that they buy from and the people that they employ are going to be better off because they will be making more money because the guy at the top had more money to give them. The problem with that is people really like to save their money. And if people did not like to save, I would not have a job, particularly extremely high net worth people. So they're going to get all this money from taxes or their tax break, but they're not going to spend it. They're going to give it to me and say, please invest it and turn it into more money because I don't need this money to live anyways. So the reason the money doesn't trickle down is because rich people who just get another check are going to save it. They're not going to spend it. Did anyone think that they would benefit from this tax plan? I think that there are two groups of people that thought that they were going to benefit from this. One being ultra high net worth people who don't want to pay taxes. They think that they pay too much of their hard earned money to the government and they don't see enough return. I work with a lot of high net worth individuals and they had thought that Trump was going to you know, be their saving grace. They were going to pay less taxes. It was going to be wonderful. But really, people in high tax cities like New York are losing more than anybody else. On the other side, middle class Americans in rural areas, I think that they thought they would be better off because Trump was going to bring back our jobs. And what we see from this tax plan is that he is actually trying to do that. He is actually trying to keep companies within the borders of the U.S., and he's trying to force them to keep their jobs here. So whether that comes to fruition or not, we don't know. But we know that for the ultra-high net worth individuals, their hope for the tax plan is probably not going to come to fruition. But for those hoping Trump was going to bring back more jobs, while there hasn't really been a sign of it yet, I'm not, I'm not going to write it off and say it can't happen. So this begs the question, was Trump actually the fiscally conservative choice? You know, I think Trump really likes to think that he's fiscally conservative. While he is trying to reduce the deficit, I don't know if he's doing it in an efficient way, right? When we think of all of the secrecy and all the corruption, 
in this administration. Think about every time we need a special committee, every time we need to hear another trial, every time, you know, someone in his administration needs to take a private jet somewhere. We're paying for that. So I think it's important to remember that everything has a cost. Nothing happens for free. So if something's happening, someone is getting paid for it. Thanks again for being on the show, Sarah. Of course. So great to talk to you again. So 12% of Americans who pay taxes make below the $42,000 mark. All of them are seeing an increase in taxes. What that translates to is that Trump is not here for poor people. So all you Trump supporters out there who paid $25 for a Make America Great hat again, but can barely fill up your gas tank, as DJ Khaled would say, Congratulations. You played yourself. We know what you're thinking. Of course he's not here for poor people. Way to be more obvious than a fuckboy's intentions. He grew up lofting above us all with his billion-dollar inheritance, education, lawsuits, hair transplants, etc. He probably never saw a single-dollar bill until his daddy took him to the strip club. So, one, how could he be an advocate for someone he could not understand? And two, that is the last time I ever say the word daddy. Outside the bedroom. Okay. But that has nothing to do with being qualified for president, right? Well, that's where you're wrong. Most of the country does not have a gazillion dollars, and that's why they call it the 1%. The 1%, more accurately the .000001%, are seeing a tax break of about 32 grand. That's insane. What are they going to do with an extra 32 grand? Donate it? Please. The last time Trump made a donation, he named it Barron and didn't speak to it for eight years. And you probably heard the myth that Trump rose to power because of blue-collar, white, and working-class voters. Well, as Trump would say, you're wrong again. Because during the primaries, it was mostly rich people who made red baseball caps terrible again. But being rich isn't everything. Steven Spielberg made the film Jaws on the lowest budget of his career. And that was his best work yet. J.K. Rowling was a single parent who used to live on welfare. Halle Berry and Charlie Chaplin were homeless. Obviously not at the same time. And Oprah was asking people for paper or plastic at her local grocery store when she was in college. And you know who else is poor? Us. And we're fucking awesome. And self-loving as hell. So here's to all the broke people. The people who are grinding out here trying to save a dollar to get what you want. And one thing you can't buy, no matter what the politicians tell you. An STD? Mm, sure. And votes. You don't need to be rich to vote. And with that, let's finish up this episode with a hail to the bad bitches. Ladies, gentlemen, and any variations thereof since the gender binary is an arbitrary social construct, we now present to you the newly elected honorary CNTs of these United States of bad bitchery. Danica Roam of Virginia, among the first openly transgender state legislators. She replaced the guy who actually wrote the book on the anti-trans bathroom bill. Andrea Jenkins, the first openly transgender person of color elected to public office. She won 70% of the vote. You go, Minneapolis. Ravinder Bala, the first Sikh mayor elected in Hoboken. There were flyers falsely linking him to terrorism, but he still won the office. Now that's what I call a sleek Sikh. Jenny Durkin, the first lesbian mayor elected in Seattle. Taste the motherfucking rainbow. Michelle Kafusi, the first woman on Provo's Wall of Mayors, the third largest city in Utah, and the first female mayor with a woo-ha. Yep, we know that rhymes. Vi Lyles. The first black woman elected mayor of Charlotte, North Carolina. 
Melvin Carter III, elected St. Paul's first mayor of color, Kathy Tran, first Asian American woman elected to the Virginia House of Delegates, and Zachary DeWolf, Seattle's first openly gay school board member. Let's all give a unanimous dab to our newly elected CNTs, cause these are the folks truly making America lit again. That's it for today, guys. We'd like to take a moment to shout out the fire writers and contributors who made today's episode of CNT happen. Daryl Bright, John Clay III, Alicia Etnoff, Ariel Hoffmeyer, Stephanie Kane, Kiara Matthews, Isabel Pask, Michael Plenty, Katie Pine, Christy St. John, Keaton Shapiro, Javier Spivey, and Ariel Zucker. A special thanks to Remix God Suede for the music, and catch us next Monday morning by subscribing to us on iTunes, and be sure to follow us by our handles at I'm a Real CNT on Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. And don't forget to go to our Facebook page and subscribe to our newsletter for kick-ass content delivered straight to your inbox every Monday morning. I'm your host, Arielle. And I'm Daryl. And this is CNT, reminding you to wake, wake up and stay woke. Later. Later.